everybody. Welcome to the Pac-Man podcast, Patriotic American Citizen. I'm Ted Flint, your host. It's been a few days since we've done this. My apologies. We are beginning to be busy at the New York State Legislature. As I've mentioned before, I work for the New York State Republican Conference, and uh, it was a five-day session week this week, or it is a five-day week as we record this. It's Thursday, and there's a special session uh, scheduled for tomorrow, I think, to deal with the governor and maybe the rollback of, of his emergency powers that were granted to him a year ago by the Democrats in the state legislature. And they've been saying right along, we're going to have to rescind those emergency powers. They say it, but so far nothing's happened. So we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about the, uh, I want to call him the love gov. That's, that's what, that was a nickname that was pinned on Elliot Spitzer for his problems with women. And uh, the governor addressed his uh, sexual harassment allegations, the ones lodged against him, and his anemic apology. I just, I, I couldn't watch it. I, you know, by, about two minutes of it, and I had to leave. He's pathetic. It wasn't really an apology. And at one point, he said that he, he did say he was sorry for the, uh, the pain that he's caused. It's been a very difficult time for me, as he said, and other people. He put him, himself first, naturally. So the governor addressed the uh, the numerous sexual harassment allegations lodged against him. Three women so far have come forth. And I heard today through the grapevine at the Capitol that many more women may follow suit. For those people who say, you know, the governor, he's going to have to resign if these allegations continue. It's like, he's not going to step down. They don't know the governor. I don't know him personally either, but he's not. I know enough about him. He doesn't have it in him to resign or do the right thing. He's not going to step down. He'll have to be forced from office, kicking and screaming. And it's not going to be the, if he does, for whatever reason, uh, go, if he's removed or if he steps down and resigns, which won't happen. I think at the very least, he he may run again or may not run again for, for governor next year. And if he does, maybe he'll be primaried and, and you know maybe another Democrat will win the nomination. I don't know, but he's not going to step down. But for him to say that it's been a very difficult time for him and other people, how about the women who he allegedly put in difficult situations? Some of these women uh, were subordinates, and he urged people to read the the, uh, the state attorney general's report, get the facts before making a judgment. All right, he's he's right about that. You, know, you read things, you hear things, but people need to read the report, read the facts. But all these facts were compiled by other Democrats. I don't I don't trust anything coming out of Albany. But as somebody said, I forget who said this, oh, it was uh, Senate Minority Leader Rob Ward. He said that the, the governor's so-called apology was a performance worthy of an Emmy. And he claimed kissing and hugging is his way of greeting people, like his father. That's how they greeted people. I'm, I'm thinking, here it comes. He's, he's going to blame it on his ethnicity. That's how we Italians do things. Anyway, but he gave a lawyerly explanation for his actions. I mean, he apologized sort of at the same time leaving himself an out. But it's going to be, the, if anything takes him down, it will be the sexual allegations. Unfortunately, it's not going to be his mishandling of the, of the nursing home debacle and all the 15,000 uh, people who died in those nursing homes as a result of his March 25th mandate, ha- having these nursing homes admit all these COVID-positive patients. That should be what takes him down, but it won't be. Nothing's going to take him down. He thinks he's going to ride this out, and he, he probably will. He probably will. You know, the media will just tire of it and in a week or two move on to something else. And somebody else also, uh, uh, we'll, we'll get to that. I want to talk about, I really want to focus on the the, uh, the governor's 
uh, emergency powers. The New York State Legislature, the Democrats basically in the legislature, failed to rescind the governor's emergency powers granted to him by the legislature, Democrats in the legislature, a year ago to deal with a, with a COVID crisis. Now, I, I heard today, or yesterday rather, that the governor was part of this three-way deal. But actually, it will enable him, this, this bill that was passed in the legislature will enable the governor to keep his powers. Now, I'm going to just read a couple of the uh, parts of the, of the bill that was passed this week that really does nothing to weaken the governor's power. If anything, it strengthens his power. It removes the current expiration date of the governor's emergency powers. It was set to expire April 30th. Instead, the expiration date is now gone. So there's no sunset. The original bill said, all right, governor, you have till April 30th. You got these extra powers granted to you. After April 30th, we're going to take those powers back. But now it will allow the governor to extend or modify his 100 plus, nearly 100 executive orders he's instituted since the beginning of this pandemic. As long as certain Democrats are allowed to review and, and comment. It's unbelievable what's, what's going on in Albany. Someone mentioned, somebody asked, either it was a reporter, maybe it was Minority Leader uh, Rob Ord in the Senate, that he thinks maybe this is part of a larger budget deal, giving the governor, you know, letting him sit in on these uh, these three-way deals. I, I, I don't know that. But there were 14, according to Ort, 14 Democratic senators wrote a letter claiming they wanted to rescind the governor's authority, but they so far have not done that. They refuse to act. Forget the Democrats in the Assembly. The, the Assembly is a lost cause. There are 107 Democrats and 43 Republicans. Democrats just steamroll Republicans. I mean, I, 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 our leader, uh, Will Barkley, Assembly Minority Leader Barkley, and the, again, the Senate Leader Bob Ort, they are uh, doing what they can do. But I mean, you know, we live in a very blue state. It gets bluer and bluer by the day. And there was a poll out last week before these sexual abuse or uh, sexual harassment allegations came out. The governor is is enjoying the support of over 80% of Democrats in New York State, despite all that's gone on, the, the nursing home debacle, the sexual harassment allegations. I'm sure now his numbers will will drop a bit. So that's that's the, uh, the long and short of it. The governor... Uh, will continue to or act like a, uh, a monarch. He's been given all these powers 12 months ago. We've seen the lockdowns, the business closures, the jobs that were lost, schools in chaos, the nursing home cover-up, now criminal investigations and sexual harassment allegations. But still, the, the Democrats can't bring themselves to govern independently of the governor. Can you imagine these extra powers being given to a Republican governor? Of course, that would never happen. There is a uh, Stop the Steal movement underway in those states in which the voter fraud was rampant that allowed Joe Biden to claim the presidency. And uh, I think it's high time. We, we, we got to change these, or I say we, the conservatives in those states need to change the, uh, the laws, the election laws in those swing states, because the Democrats are going to try to do it again in 2024. They did everything in their power to put their thumbs on the scale to get Biden in the Oval Office. They were successful. And, you know, I, I, <laughs> I watch some of these network newscasts and, and read some things online where the left is saying there is no voter fraud proven. I mean, there's so many instances of proven vote fraud. The real issues were the way in which these election rules 
the processes were, were handled. All elections are run on the state and local level. Every single one, including the presidential election. And these, some of these changes were unconstitutional. These election law changes in these states, rogue states, rogue governors, I should say, and, uh, and, and rogue uh, activist judges. Pennsylvania is a case in point. I'll focus just on Pennsylvania because you have a, a governor. This Tom Wolf is a, a socialist, in my view. He disenfranchised hundreds of thousands of voters with his deadline changes. But not just Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan. These legislatures are Republican-controlled legislatures, but in every state, they have Democratic governors. Wisconsin, Mi Michigan, and uh, in Pennsylvania, they made these, these unconstitutional changes. The, the mail-in voting debacle and these drop boxes introduced in these states. And it, we're, we're led to believe all this was because of COVID. This was intentional. Democrats were supposed to benefit by this. It's the way they planned it. Now, if we want things repeated in 2024, if you love the way things turned out in 2020, then let, let's not change anything. I mean, President Trump, during his CPAC speech, which was great, by the way, he laid out what GOP lawmakers have got to do so they can secure election integrity and bring back fair elections for the American people. The reason there, were some, there was violence in Washington, I think, is because a portion of the American people believe that their vote doesn't count. I mean, what went on during the 2020 presidential election cannot be repeated. Mail-in ballots, drop boxes introduced all across the country, unconstitutionally. Massive amounts of ballots found to be missing and missing the required uh, chain of custody paperwork. And we're led to believe this is all because of COVID. I mean, this was intentional. The Democrats set things up this way in these, in these swing states. We're talking about 40,000 votes. In, those, in the three main states, again, Michigan, Wisconsin, and uh, Pennsylvania, that swung the election to Biden. This cannot be allowed to happen again. And Trump laid it out. President Trump laid it out during his CPAC speech. You know, we have one election day, not 45 days. I mean, this, this early voting, weeks before election day, that cannot happen again. There should be one day designated as election day. Not, you know, you can't accept ballots 10 days after election day. And, and he said, and he correctly said, that this mail-in voting has got to be done away with. Absentee ballots, yes, they could be used for people who, who need them with real legitimate excuses. If they have debilitating illnesses or conditions or if they're deployed or whatever. But this COVID-19 nonsense was not a valid reason for the mass mail-in voting. And somebody had said or had written, I read something this week, Somebody had written that, look, if people can flock to Walmart, they can vote in person one day. And another thing uh, President Trump was saying, we need to have citizens who have ID and can prove their identity. Only those people are allowed to vote. It just stands to reason. How can Democrats fight voter ID laws? Like Trump said, you know, and during CPAC, I needed an ID, or you need an ID to get in this place. He didn't need one. But most people need an ID, show your ID, some form of identification if you want to be admitted. Why can't people show their ID and prove they're a legitimate citizen if they want to vote? But Democrats are fighting ID laws. They say they're racist. We know who benefits by having no ID laws, the Democrats. I mean, it's not difficult. How difficult is it to get a government-issued ID? It doesn't 
discriminate against black people or other minorities if they have to obtain an ID. It's a no-brainer. Another thing is that Trump asserted there needs to be universal signature matching. Again, it seems like a no-brainer, but Democrats are fighting it. So anyway, uh, just to bring up the date on this, uh, this movement, some of the Republicans in these states, Georgia, Arizona, Pennsylvania, they're all considering legislation that would roll back these 2020 rule changes and reform the election process. And that's got to happen. In Georgia, the state Senate just passed a bill that would require voters to submit photocopies of their voter identification documents for absentee ballot applications. It was a free-for-all, thanks to Stacey Abrams and some of these other commie liberals in Georgia. Georgia, in particular, has come under fire because their signature verification system was a mess, again, intentionally. Now, in Pennsylvania, I mentioned Tom Wolf, the governor there. In Pennsylvania, Trump had a 700,000-vote lead on election night. He ended up losing by fewer than 100,000 votes. So Republicans, and again, in the uh, state of Pennsylvania, Republicans control the legislature, but the state's got this no-excuse mail-in voting system. And these drop boxes introduced in 2020, they've got to go. They've got to go. In Arizona, they would make it a felony. Republicans are working on a bill that would make it a felony for any state official to send out mail-in ballots to anyone not on the state's early voting list. You need a paper trail for all this. And I'm out of time here. I wanted to go into uh, some of the gun bills. We don't have time here. I was going on too long about the governor. We'll talk more about this. We'll do a show tomorrow night, Friday night. You'll have it maybe Saturday. There's going to be a special legislative session. Hopefully it's to rescind the governor's emergency powers. I doubt that's going to happen. Our guys, they can only do so much, and they, they're fighting tooth and nail to get these, these emergency powers rescinded, but they're not having much luck because we live in a blue state. And out of 213 legislators, state legislators, 145 are Democrats. So there's just no, there's no way to, there's no way around it unless you want to split off. That's the only, that's the only alternative I see, is divide the state at least in half. And some are saying we need to have the state divided into three pieces: upstate, downstate, and Long Island. But it's not going to happen because Democrats won't let it happen, and the Democrats in Washington won't let it happen. Washington would have to sign off on that kind of an arrangement. Anyway, uh, there's no better time than now to start a podcast. If you're thinking of starting one, do it. It's a great time. It's easy to do, too. Buzzsprout is hands down the best way, the easiest way to launch a podcast. Not only that, but Buzzsprout gets your show listed in every major podcast platform. You'll get a great-looking podcast website, audio players. You can drop into other websites, detailed analytics to see how people are listening to your show, tools to promote your episodes, and a lot more. So why not join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout and get your message out to the world? All you have to do, follow the link in the show notes and get started today, right now. And if you sign up for a paid plan, they'll give you a $20 Amazon gift card. Again, just follow the link in the show notes so that Buzzsprout, all one word, Buzzsprout knows that I, Pac-Man, Ted Flint, sent you Buzzsprout the easiest and best way to launch a podcast. This podcast can be accessed by going to the bmgnetwork.com. And if you want to email me, you can uh, contact me directly. Go to pacman, P-A-C, at M-A-N, all lowercase, at bmgnetwork.com, and we'll uh, stay in touch that way. All right, folks, that's going to wrap things up for this edition of the Pac-Man Podcast. I'm Ted Flint, and if the Lord wills it, we'll talk to you soon. 
The Pac-Man Podcast was produced in the BMG Studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more information about the Pac-Man Podcast, go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune in to the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flint.